Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. This is a show for men by men, if you're just tuning in. And our first uh, half hour, we've been talking with uh, financial expert Matt Bell, who's written a book called Money and Marriage, A Complete Guide for Engaged and Newly Married Couples. And I'm sure there's a couple things of those of us been married a few years could learn as well in this. You've been but, married how long, Chad? Uh, 2003. You know, that's how quick I said what year, because I can never do the math in my head quick enough. I should know that, but it'll be uh, 13 years this year. Yeah. So, so I, I'm keeping score. Okay. Not score, but you know, <laughs> I, I know when we were married. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but we're back with Matt and, and uh, we've been talking about, um, you know, how do we pass on this biblical model as a couple to our kids? And you talked about three things, role model and then the gatekeeper. And uh, talk about that just a little bit. And then the, the, the third one is teacher. Yeah. So as gatekeeper, we simply you know, kind of control what's coming into the house. And, and that becomes trickier as kids get older. So now other kids are coming into the house with their devices and things. And so, again, the, the, the rule in our household is that, you know, we're not going to bring devices into bedrooms and that sort of thing. We're going to keep it out in the open and try to teach kids about, look, if some is showing you something that's inappropriate you know here's let's let's figure out a reaction ahead of time and what our response is going to be uh, but then to be a teacher so you know I don't mean to beat up on the culture too badly here but but one of the suggestions I have with with uh, teaching kids is to to watch some programming whether on TV or on a computer together and and watch the ads and unpack the ads together mm. and so one of the things that somebody else taught me was the idea of um, uh, identify the lie. Now, not all marketing is filled with lies, but but some stretches the truth, let's say it that way. Yeah. And so, as they can start to see an ad, when, when you're a very young kid, kids don't even understand the distinction between advertisement and the programming. They think it's all programming. But And so, helping them, them unpack the idea that this is now a promotional message being conveyed here, that's a helpful step when kids are really young. As they get older, let's look at the message. So, if you buy that brand of clothing, what, are, what is the advertiser saying you will now become? Who who will you become? And is that true? And so just to help the kids start to navigate the culture by being intentional, by asking those questions and helping them see how things like advertising works can be a really helpful and actually kind of fun uh, experience to have in the in the household. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you're really talking about identity and, um, and that's a whole other topic. But w- when we understand that we are children of God, and that we walk with Him, and that He loving Him, and what you said earlier in the previous segment, loving loving the Lord God and loving others around us. I mean, that is so critical. Yeah, that that, that becomes the driving force behind everything that we do. That's right. And so, you know, it's interesting to me that you know, again, this is the stuff that fascinates me is the stuff that's not so black and white. It's the gray areas. And so, I heard somebody say one time that that a Christian can't own a BMW. Well, I disagree with that. I think that's a little harsh. But I do think that it's helpful for us to think about if I buy a certain product with a certain prominent logo, will that do something to me in my heart? Will that create maybe distance between other people and myself? Will that create a barrier now between us? And so. I'm, the answer is not yes all the time for certain brands, but but maybe it is, and we we would benefit by at least mm. asking ourselves and through prayer asking God for help in discerning some of those decisions. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now, Matt, talk with us a little bit about 
when husband and wife are not on the same page with all this. Yeah. How, how do we handle that? Right. Yeah. And and that's it's not easy. So again, I don't mean to give the the three steps, but there are multiple things that come to mind in response to that. One of the things is real openness. And so that's access to information. That's just on a really practical level. A lot of times it's it's kind of alarming if you read statistics about the degree to which husbands and wives are often living separate financial lives. And so before a couple gets married, I advocate complete financial disclosure. For better or for worse, here's where I'm at financially, how much debt I've got, how much savings, here's you know what I'm thinking about buying. And then after marriage, complete financial transparency. So, for example, in our household, we use an online budget tool. So either one of us can go online anytime and see pretty much the full extent of our financial situation. How are our investments doing? How much do we have in savings? How much have we spent this month at this point in the month on groceries? There's just a, a system, a structure set up in our household of full financial disclosure and transparency that I think is helpful. And then, oftentimes, when there's a disagreement about money, and couples get you know on the different page about money you're talking about. Sometimes it's not even true what you're fighting about, and so to have a practical source to go to and say, you know, look, you overspent your clothing budget this month. Well, let's go see. Let's find out the truth. Did did I really? And so you have that objective source of information. And then if so, let's work it out. So okay, maybe I did. So now I'm going to spend a little bit less next month. And so. Having access to information can be one really helpful step to staying on the same financial page. So, so, but let, let's say, um, it's, Chad, we were talking about this yesterday. If you're if you're in the market for a hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand house home, um, typically what we do is we, we are gravitating towards this two hundred, and uh, pretty soon we're looking at one hundred eighty to one hundred ninety, and then and then all of a sudden we bump to the two ten. And there's there's someone in the 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 the, the husband he's looking at the two ten and he's really um, like we need we can go after this. Meanwhile, the wife she's she's maybe on the other end of the spectrum. She's like, well, we could really get by with 140. Um, how do you how do you work through that? Yeah, well, I think um, I would say a couple of things to that. I would say number one, let's look at it objectively as a, as a starting point. So, how much do we have to work with? And so, you're not going to find this in First Thessalonians, but in just a really practical sense, I looked at how much can couples, how much can households afford to spend on various things at different size households, different size incomes, and on a really practical level, what jumped off the pages of the the spreadsheets to me it took me weeks to do this and. It's not an exact science, but but what jumped off the pages to me is that really we can't have debt other than a reasonable mortgage if we're going to live the generous lives we're called to live, if we're going to save and, and invest adequately for the future needs. But when it comes to a house, the guidelines that came off the pages to me were let's keep the monthly payment for the combination of mortgage, taxes, and insurance to no more than 25% of monthly gross income, even better if it can be no, no more than 20%. Because the house tends to be the biggest decision, and so you've really got to get that one right. And it's when people get that one wrong that everything else starts to have trouble. Now it's hard to find the money to give, to, to save. To Now we're stressed because we're so close every month that we don't have any margin. And so 20 to 25%, preferably around that 20% level, that's a really objective way to look at a house decision. And then the second thing I would say about the question of how would a husband and wife get on the same page on that you know, it goes back to biblical teaching on being a, a husband. And so we're called to serve our wives as Christ served the church. And and so 
if you think about that, if, if your spouse that you love and that God has selected for you and that you have married and committed your life to, if they're uncomfortable spending 210, if, if for them it would be better at the 140, it would be an act of service and leadership to say, all right, we're not going to do the 210. We may not do 140, but maybe we can find something at least closer to that 140 that would feel better and that would be more life-giving. So back to those purposes, loving God, loving people, making a difference. So we can best love the key person in our life in this world, our spouse, by making that house decision in a way that they're on board with. Wow. That's good stuff. Chad, you... Uh you got any thoughts there? Well, you know, as far as I, I'm a realtor by trade, it's what I've been doing for 20 years. So uh, people always gravitate towards the hire, right? Sure. And rarely will you see a couple when they say, well, I'm approved for, or I can't, you know, our banks always want to give you more money than what you, yeah, what, absolutely. What, right, than what you really can afford. So if you say, I'm going to approve for 250, you probably say, eh, I'm more comfortable with that 220 payment, you know, on a monthly uh, basis. But uh, most people gravitate towards the upper, and uh, you know, I have seen many a couple who have sat down and had not had the conversation. Yeah, in the beginning. So, like you said, being open about having the conversation. Right. And yeah. so suddenly, it's the it's the lender or it's the realtor who is the the leader in that right. who is saying you can afford this. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that might just be the worst decision you could make and so and it's a long-term decision and it's a big decision so you really have to get that one right so this is a show for men by men so guys if when you're listening to this as you're listening to this if you haven't had a conversation with your spouse or your spouse to be about these kinds of things that's paramount yeah absolutely and again it's that it's that attitude of the heart it's that disposition toward service toward loving well this super important person in your life and how can you best love that person your spouse in this decision a lot of people don't really think that way but wow that's going to have long-term implications in the quality of your marriage wow well um i, I want to talk with you matt about um, our personality differences and how that plays a role in this whole financial piece. Just give it a, a nugget there, and then we'll have to unpack it at, in the next segment. Hugely important. Oftentimes, when there's conflict in a marriage, it isn't what you think it's about. It's a clash. It's it's a conflict between temperaments. So so describe that. Yeah, so there's different ways of thinking about temperament. There's the Myers-Briggs, there's the, you know, INTJ or a friend says he's an ESPN, but I don't really think that's one of them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but there's sim simple classifications too. So in the book, I talk about the simplest classification system, which is the choleric, melancholy, sanguine, and phlegmatic. It's four simple starting points for understanding your God-given design. And within each of those four classifications, there are some inherent money management strengths and some inherent money management weaknesses. Understanding that in ourself and in our spouse is hugely important. And you really unpack that in the book, and we're going to come back after the break. We'll take a break and talk more about temperament, money, marriage, all that fun stuff guys love to talk about on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you're just joining us, love for you to hear the entire show in its entirety. And any past shows, you can go to soundcloud.com. You go to iTunes. 
and you go to Facebook and you just type in Solid Steps Radio. And if you want to help the show, and I've had a couple people come up to us recently and say, hey, they've enjoyed listening. If you really want to help the show, pass along an episode that you think would be a great for someone, especially this episode about money and marriage. I know that you're listening. You know someone who is engaged or getting ready to be married. It's that time of year, right? June, July, August, all throughout the year, people are getting married. What a great wedding gift to buy the book Money and Marriage by Matt Bell, a complete guide for engaged and newly married couples. That'd be a good gift. So Matt, you talk in your book about temperaments and personality differences and how that really plays a role in how a husband and wife can be a team or not so much a team and talk about that. Yeah, it is so, I, I find this topic really fascinating because it's so revealing. If you understand your God-given design, your, your God-given temperament, it's, it's as if somebody's been following you around all your life. As you read some of these descriptions from those that really know this this topic well, it's 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 amazing. I've learned so much about myself and how God has wired me up, and I've learned much about my, my wife, Jude, and, and how God has wired her up. And so bringing that together can be really helpful. So as I said, there's different ways to look at temperament. One of the simplest ones is the the four. So there's the choleric. The choleric is the classic type A, hard charging, driven. You know, there's a lot of really good things for all these temperaments. With the, with the choleric, it would be great at casting vision, great at overcoming obstacles, great at uh, you know doing some of those things. The, the downside is the choleric can tend to run ahead of a spouse. You know, they might make investments without consulting the spouse. They can be kind of controlling. So the spouse comes home from a shopping trip, they might want to rifle through the receipts, not so interested in seeing you know, necessarily the, the latest fashions or whatever it might be. They just want to know the bottom line. What did you spend and did you spend too much? And so, you know, good to understand that and try to throttle that back a little bit for the good of your your marriage but that's some of the the classics around the choleric um, the sanguine is the life of the party that's the really outgoing fun person y'all you love to be around the sanguine people in your life mm-hmm. um, they're very generous that's a real positive of the sanguine type on the downside financially they tend to not really be into budgeting you know they <laughs> they would rather be out there with people doing some other stuff and so look if you're gonna if you marry a sanguine and you've committed your life to getting them to love the budget, I'm here to tell you, give it up. They're never going to love the budget. If you can get a sanguine to drop the receipts in the vicinity of your budget, whether it's on computer or a ledger, you've just won. You've, you've had a very successful... Oh, Ch- Ch- Chad is just raising his You've been looking over my shoulder, Matt. Come on, man. You're peeking in on me. So that's the sanguine. The phlegmatic is the real steady. You know, they're just, man, they're disciplined. They're, they can, you can count on them. They show up they will they will live within their means till till you know you're blue in the face they're just good at that sort of thing great at researching wise purchase decisions not so good at actually making the decision <laughs> you know, they have trouble pulling the trigger so they could be helped by a spouse that might make it easier to make those decisions the melancholy has the most going for them in terms of money management they tend to actually like using a budget and so they've got some very natural tendencies that are helpful in managing money but where they can get in trouble is they tend to be very perfectionistic, especially about things like art or beauty, so clothing. They could overspend on clothing, or on artwork, on a great concert, that sort of thing. And so each temperament type has certain strengths, certain weaknesses. Just really good to be a student of how God has wired you up and how God has wired up your spouse. Okay, so you were talking about your wife before you met. And, and she you know, made a lot less money, and yet she had more money in the bank and had a newer car and all this. 
Was she a melancholy? Yes. Yeah, so, so her primary is melancholy. That's great. And, and her secondary, we all have primary and secondary. Her secondary is phlegmatic. So that's really good at living within her means. And so, yeah, those things worked well. My primary is choleric. My secondary is melancholy. So the melancholies work well together. But the choleric, I can tend to get impatient, want to make decisions fast. She can slow me down, and, and we tend to make better decisions when we do. And the sanguine, they can't even spell budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are the people that like to be noticed. If you've got a, if, if, if you know somebody driving a red car, maybe a sports car, that's probably a sanguine. <laughs> wow. That's and, not one of the things I'd call them, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Matt, t- talk with us a little bit about um, this, this hour has flown by, but talk with us a little bit more about just some gold nuggets of of biblical truth that we can embrace as men. Yeah. I think think men biblically are called to be leaders in the household. And so we can lead in any number of ways. You know, the the classic stereotype is that women spend too much money. That's the stereotype in culture. And, And if there is any kernel of truth in that, it may be toward things like clothing or things that are relatively inexpensive. I know some guys, on the other hand, who've shown up unannounced with a new bass boat, you know, a new big screen TV at Super Bowl time. And so guys can tend to overspend, too. And usually it's about bigger ticket items. So I think that for a man to truly embrace our God-given roles as leaders of trying to serve our spouse, and that might be about what feels like dying to self sometimes, and maybe we're not going to buy that boat this year. We're going to take the better long-term savings approach to it. But I think if we can if we can step back from the day-to-day and see our roles as leaders, as those who are designed to serve and love well our spouse, that can go a long way toward um, loving well our spouse. I mean, they, 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 you know, the Bible talks about love and respect, right? That's the classic from, what is it, Ephesians 5. And um, so, I mean, we both need both. We both need love and respect. But, but men really need respect, and women really need to feel loved. A great conversation to have with your spouse tonight would be, men, ask your wives, what do I do financially that makes you feel loved? And listen because that's something you should be doing more of. And then women, ask your husbands, what do I do financially that makes you feel respected? That's a, Jude and I have had that conversation. That was eye-opening. And so that would be a good practical thing to take away from this, of how, how we can embrace the, this biblical teaching on love and respect and bring it into our use of money. That's good. To, I, I was just thinking about a, a guy, a church leader, who said to, to me years ago, that my wife and I do not spend any money over $100 unless we get approval from each other. Yeah, that's a great practical guideline. I love that because now we know. Now there's not going to be that conversation about, hey, you, you, you spent too much. Now we've got some rules to live by. You know, I love the idea of using – I actually love using a budget. I call it a cash flow plan. But it and, – and within that budget, give each other some freedom. So – for example, in, in our relationship, we each have a separate clothing budget. It's on the budget. It's part of the big picture plan, but we have some freedom. I don't need to call Jude if I want to buy something. I know how much I've got in that clothing budget that I can spend with freedom. Other couples do that for lunches with friends or maybe some hobbies or those sorts of things. But you can use this tool that people think of as restrictive and actually create a lot of freedom with that tool. Give us... Um as we're just wrapping up here, give us a, a, a word on debt. 
Yeah, debt is like a cancer in marriage. And I'm not preaching from on high. I once had 20 grand of debt. Fortunately, I was out of that debt by the time we got married. But I'll tell you, if you can make it, if you've got debt in your marriage, if you can make it a commitment to get out from under that debt, and that's, to me, that's everything except probably um, a reasonable mortgage. I mean, good to pay that off too, but at least wipe out the credit card debt, the student loan debt, the, the vehicle debt, other debt. The many, as, as you do that, you create freedom. I'll tell you a really quick story. My, one of my favorite couples I've, I've met, um, when, when they got married, she brought 50 grand of non-mortgage debt into the marriage. He called it a reverse dowry. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I love about their story is from day one, whenever she would say, oh, I'm so upset about the debt that my debt, you know, my debt is a hindrance to us, he would always correct her. Talk about an act of leadership. Um, he would say, no, no, it's our debt. When you get married, you both have debt if one had debt. When you get married, you both have wealth if one had wealth. It's oneness in marriage. And so as they worked together, it took them seven years, but man, that strengthened their marriage to work that out together. Getting out of debt and living debt-free, again, probably other than a reasonable mortgage, is tremendously freeing in in marriage and, and otherwise. She had to feel absolutely loved and adored and honored and cherished yeah. when he said, this is not your debt, this is our debt. That's right. To wow. hear her tell the story, you see the tears that come up. It's been a number of years now, but still, that was a vivid, powerful way to start their marriage. Wow. Matt, it's been great to have you. We have unpacked a lot of different stuff, and uh, we could keep talking, but our hour is up. And I want you to pray for our men, that we would be, that we'd be the men that uh, we, we've been talking about here this morning, biblical men of stewardship. Would you pray for us? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, the gift of this day, the gift of life, and the gift of the people you've put into our lives. So for the men that are married and, um, and those that perhaps are engaged, I, I pray that you would help all of us every day learn more about what it is that you've called us to as, as leaders, as, um, as, as biblical, uh, as you teach in your word about our role as, as husbands, as fathers. Help us to model well um, the life of a good steward. Help us to love well the people in our lives. And through the use of money, I pray that you would convict us if we need convicting. You would encourage us if, you would need enc- if, if we would need encouragement, that you would be the leader of the finances in our household and that we would simply be the stewards, the managers as you direct um, for your glory and for uh, the love that we want to express to our family. Thank you, Lord, for saying so much in your word about money. Give us the wisdom to read your word on this topic and every topic, and give us the courage in the face of a culture that doesn't support this teaching to live this out every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. If you want to catch uh, Matt's book, Money and Marriage, A Complete Guide for Engaged and Newly Married Couples, you can go to christianbook.com. His personal blog is mattaboutmoney.com. And uh, soundmindinvesting.com is the name of his company he's associated with, soundmindinvesting.com. We're going to have one or two or all of those posted on our Facebook page as a link if you wanted to get more information on that at facebook.com forward slash Solid Steps Radio. We thank you for listening, and we will see you next week on Solid Steps Radio. With every step.